welcome to the Nerd Party. husband and co-host Philip Gilfus. Well, we've returned from vacation, mm-hmm. which gave us an opportunity to get involved in some Doctor Who that we haven't done in a while. Oh, yes. Because with the uh, COVID for the past year, we don't usually go on any long car trips anymore. Right. I mean, I, let's not say it like it's now we're never doing it again. We're just currently not very often going on long car trips. Mm-hmm. So... But we did recently when we went to the beach. We did go to the beach, and that's about three and a half hours drive, so plenty of time for a box set. That's right. So we're going to talk about another Big Finish production, and keeping with our order, not about the Eighth Doctor, but another series that we've been listening to, and that's The Diary of River Song. Hooray! We'll be talking about Series 4, which was released September 2018, um, which when I was looking this up... We're halfway through. There have been eight series at this point. Okay. So if, if you like it, there's more of it. Well, there you go. And if you don't, I don't know what to tell you. So, um, How can you not like River Song? <laughs> well, I was going to ask, you know, this is our fourth one, which we'll get into, but the other three, not that I'm asking you to remember all of them at oh, once. Oh, gosh, yeah. But what have you thought about them so far? Um, it, if it helps you remember, you know, they sort of go, are doing the backwards count of, of doctors. I think they started with eight. And they had a seven. Oh, uh, yeah, six, vaguely. Five, yeah, you know. I mean, I like River Song, so mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy it. Do you like that they've had the, the sort of serialization in each box set that it's not just episodics? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Although it takes me a little bit of time to remember that, mm-hmm. um, particularly with this one. Um, you know, I was sort of toot, toot, toot along in episode three or whatever. And then I was like, oh, we're still on these guys. <laughs> oh, the demon guys. And for our Inside the TARDIS Library segment, we're going to talk about something that we actually watched several weeks ago, but we didn't talk about it. So we're going to talk about it now. I mean, we talked about it amongst ourselves. <laughs> it wasn't like the, the show ended and we sat in silence <laughs> well, for, for some time. That's actually what we normally do for most of these things. <laughs> A little bit of awkward silence. We save it up for the podcast. And, and then, then we just we look at the cat for a while. Don't speak to each other again. But yeah, we'll be talking about Antigone, um, the National Theater production that starred, among others, Christopher Eccleston and Jodie Whittaker. And? Well, we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, in the chorus, very important role, but I wouldn't say starring. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but let's get into it. So like I said, we're going to talk about Series 4. And I thought, I don't know, you, you can change this if you want. I thought for the sake of discussion, since we listened to two episodes going and then listened to two episodes coming back, I thought we sort of split it up in discussion between the, each of the two parts. Or, okay. You know, two episodes, you know, and we'll have a uh, two-second intermission, I guess. I don't know. But the um, <laughs> two episodes we listened to in one sitting, or car ride as it were, were Time in a Bottle by Emma Reeves and Matt Fitton. And then Kings of Infinite Space by Donald McLeary. So, um, you want to read those two uh, summaries? I will. So, Time in a Bottle. 
River is recruited by a rival to explore a star system where time no longer exists. Professor Jemima Still has picked up a signal from an impossible source and takes an expert team to investigate, but their mission is about to unleash hell upon the universe. Dot, dot, dot. And then Kings of Infinite Space... With the Discordia on their tail, River and her friends run for their lives across time and space. But when your opponent can twist cause and effect to ensure victory at every turn, then escape may well be impossible. So how'd you like the setup for this story of, you know... Uh, River Song recruited for a mission and, you know, yeah, gets her new companions. Yeah, I liked that. I liked, the, I liked the first one. It was a little bit, because they did a little bit of time jumping, didn't they? Because mm-hmm. um, the demon would show up and we hadn't gotten to that part yet kind of stuff. Um, but I thought it was an interesting premise. I liked the idea of this is how River lives her life, you mm-hmm. know, taking on um, projects and things like that, and she talks about her fee. And I thought it was interesting that she was with a, a rival from university, and you know, I thought it was set up very nicely and introduced to some interesting characters. You know, you don't often get, or we don't often get the sort of um, you know <laughs> academic side of River Song. I mean, she is a doctor of archaeology, uh, professor, or if you will. And um, so, yeah, it was kind of funny that you know she has a fellow, you know doctorate classmate to she you know they have d- different teaching methods and she sort of looks down and all that stuff so it was very interesting well and they fought over a boy oh that's true that's true well i don't know if river fought over it, well yes that is true she, R- river song had a date with a boy and it was just one date and uh it was a boy that jemima really fancied and so they fell out and river was wildly indifferent and jemima married him that's right so there you go <laughs> So, um, what do you think? Is sort of we get these different alien species. So, um, actually, I forget what they're all called. Um, the types of yeah. Yeah, there's gamma ray is not our name, but that's how it's spelled. Gamma ray, I think. Anyway, Gamora. I think they, Gamora. Yeah, I think they made jokes about how that they it took a while for the cast to figure out how to pronounce it. But um, she, I guess, it was like an insect race, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, ant or something like that. Anyway. They they, men- they mentioned that in the extras. But I don't know necessarily that I got that in specifically head. in my head. Yeah, I mean, sort of, you know, the queen, you know, in the story, yes, she yeah. goes to her home hive or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then you had sort of the, I don't know. I was picturing a more of a robot, but I think it's supposed to be more cyborgy. The I don't even know what he's called. Not Battlebot because that's a different kind of thing. But anyway. The Warborg. Is that what they called it? Anyway, I think that's what they called it. Uh, like I don't a, know. Yeah, I that, liked that him a lot. Spod, yeah, Spod. whatever his name was. He, he was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, that said, I liked Gamora. Mm-hmm. Gamora. I feel like it was similar to Gamora. I kept thinking <laughs> Guardians, that. Yeah. yeah, so Gamora, Gamora is what we're going with. Sure. Um, I liked the idea of River traveling with companions, and so I was sad that they didn't travel with her for very long. No. And what did you sort of think of the introduction of the the bad guys, or bad guys, uh, the Discordia, and then I guess specifically was Malok, whatever his name was? Malok. Malok, that's it, yeah. Malok. Yeah, that was an interesting twist. Mm Mm-hmm. 
to things. Again, I didn't get at the time that they had frozen, like the the whole, we've frozen time, but we can also go back in time. All of that was a little bit... And I actually forget... And I'm sure that it was explained. I just forget. Like, I forget how, you know, they, they traveled to this place where time had been taken out. I don't know. Um, yeah, and, removed. Uh, and so everybody was just sort of... Yeah, frozen. And, you know, River Song basically helps Jemima with, like, creating a time bubble, for lack of a better word, so they mm-hmm. could travel and into this place and have actual time. But I, I forget how it happened. I mean, I assume it was something with a Discordia or something, but I don't remember why time got sucked out of that yeah. place. I can't remember. But Yeah. And they go because Jemima has received these readings, mm-hmm. uh, which seem to suggest that it's the doctor right. asking for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is what piques River Song's interest in this no but it's all deception um yeah and i i think this first episode in could be i mean it isn't but it could almost be a standalone stand oh, yeah. alone um because there's actually a lot in it for just one episode yep. you have the setup and then you have the travel to the hive you get all the hive stuff and then they find the ship where malak 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 is and then he you know you have that back and forth between you know Jemima's, oh, she's the villain, it turn, turns out maybe, and then, no, no, Malak's the villain, and then he reveals that he's the, secretly the Discordia, and then, you know, it's all a trick or something, and then, you know, and now they've awakened everything and all bad stuff, and so it was pretty good for all that. Yes. The second one, I really didn't like. I don't know how you thought. To me, it was just sort of like, this is when uh, River's basically being chased and using her vortex manipulator. Mm. It just seemed like... You know, she pressed the vortex, and then they would arrive. They'd have, they would establish, or they'd encounter some random character in wherever place I landed, and then the Discordia would show up, kill that person, and then they did, and then they'd meet someone else, and then the Discordia showed up and they killed that character. First of all, a lot of people died. Yeah. Like whole planets. They were kind of wiping out whole planets. Mm hmm. Um, and and that I wasn't crazy about. I liked a little bit um, the Robot River. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's true. Yeah, that was set up at the beginning of this episode, episode two, right? Um, and so that was interesting. But then it was frustrating because the Robot River kept telling the Discordia where they were, mm-hmm. and so and everybody was getting sick. And seriously, everybody died. I know. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's its an interesting sort of snippet of, oh, here's this species, and oh, here's this species, and oh, here's this rat guy. and yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was also, I found it frustrating because even when they thought they were safe, even just for a minute, mm-hmm. they weren't. Like, they run into the rat guy, and, and the rat guy's like, oh, come on, I'll help you, I'll help you. And they're like, oh, we can take a break for just a minute. Mm-hmm. But turns out the rat guy wanted to eat them. That's right. And then the Discordia show, mm-hmm. you know, it just feels like they could not catch a freaking break. They land on the water park That's true. Yep, planet. Yep. Mm-hmm. and Or a planet that just has water parks. Yeah. Yep. yep. And the tour guide's there, the Australian guy, and it just... And then the Discordia show back up. They just don't. There's no chance to breathe, I guess. Which is 
part of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, from a story or from a writer's standpoint, I guess it was fun to create a bunch of different characters and have them make an impact and, you know, three pages or two pages yeah. or whatever. But it just doesn't audio. It's just exhausting. I'm like, there's just, there's nothing going on in this episode. I, I mean, I, I mean, plot wise, there's nothing going yeah, on. Yeah. I think dying. it was the, it was the, <laughs> what is it? The fourth episode or the fifth episode of all the six series. Oh yeah. That yes. just has to sort of, it established the fact that the Discordia could go back in time and change things. It established them as world killers, all of those things needed to happen. We needed to know that before we could move to the other one. So let's move to the other one. Yeah. So I don't know. Did you when you you know when we arrived to our destination? I mean, I don't know what what were you thinking would happen in the next two episodes, or did you? No idea. No idea. No idea. I was really glad I was at the beach. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. You probably didn't think about or even see the cover, knowing that there would be a, another doctor showing up. Correct. Yeah. So, um, so then we go into sort of the, the next two episodes. We yep. have Who Done It, also by Matt Fitton, and then Someone I Once Knew by John Dorney. Mm-hmm. So, would you like to synopsize yes, those two? Yes, please. Who Done It? Melody Malone finds herself in a castle with an assortment of strange companions, but guests are being murdered one by one. Time is running out for a mystery to be solved, and Franz Kafka is hiding something in the attic. And someone I once knew, River has tried in vain to keep the Discordia away from the Doctor. Now, as devils run riot through universal space-time, her own past with her husband is being rewritten. There is one last hope for the universe, a love story, but one that must find an ending. The Who Done It for for me, like with the with the second episode that we talked, you know, everything's Jews, you know, chase, mm-hmm. chase, chase, chase. It kind of gets a little mundle. Uh, mix up in your head, yeah. um, but I don't know. I, but I clearly understood all the characters and all that. I think with Who Done It, I what they were doing was interesting, but I couldn't keep all the characters straight. Like, okay, I knew the dog. There's the dog. I got the yeah. dog. I knew there was the highly crazy French accent guy who's supposed to be Poirot. I got it. I got that one. Uh-huh. Um, and other than that, I'm like, there's like another guy. There's a woman, one with a British accent, and one who's a British yeah, person doing an American and, and accent. See, and, I didn't feel the need to keep the characters uh-huh. in my head. My, I thought this was cute. I enjoyed it. What I didn't understand was why she did it. And they explain <clears throat> it. Yeah. And I still don't understand <sighs> Why she did it? Uh, yeah, and well, then then you have Franz, France, Kafka, Franz. Well, they keep saying France, and I'm like, it's Franz. I believe is how <laughs> you would say it. That A is doing a lot of work. Um, mm. But because uh, I really thought his name was France for, because I didn't know it was Kafka for a little bit, um, and the accent's weird too. But anyway, all that said, um, yeah, I, I mean, I get that she's trying to hide, but then it's. They tried to convolute that even more, and I'm like, hey, you lost me, psychic, yeah. TARDIS. Because then, it, 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 not that I didn't understand, but it, it lost me a little bit, because they were kind of doing flashbacks at the end, I guess, explaining, like, yes. and it, it kind of got muddled. I'm and like, then four words, because yeah. Kafka was there with her, but he was also in the bed dying, yeah. and that was all weird. Um, interesting though, this one got stuck in my head because okay. the premise was that they'd all been invited to solve this murder, right. but and the winner gets the manor. Yes, yes, 
Yes. The person who solves it gets the manor house. Mm -hmm. And so then, a couple of nights ago, I dreamt that you and I were getting married again. Okay. And we were doing it at a manor house, and neither one of us was particularly happy. Right. Sounds right. Which, yep, all tracks so far. It was like an autobiography (laughs) dream. Uh, but we were going to get the manor, and we were being shown around the manor, and I was like, oh, look at those ceiling beams. and Yeah, so it ended up in my head. And they're like, that's a conservatory. I'm like, trek room? <laughs> and then at some point I left for a while and came back, and then I couldn't find you, and you had a whole bunch of relatives there, and none of them liked me very much. So really, it was a lot yeah, like our wedding. Yeah, a lot like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Country house. <laughs> well, what did you think of, because again, it doesn't really mean much to me, what did you think of the Kafka connection? Yeah, it was fine. I don't think I've, I, like many people, I don't know if we read the whole thing. I remember reading a bit of the Metamorphosis in, in high school. Is it like really short? Is it a short story? It's relatively short. Maybe we read yeah. the whole thing. I don't, I don't know. It just seems like. It was just a couple pages in a literature book, yeah. you know, in your you know a textbook. Um, so I don't know, but I mean, I, I am familiar with it, but I mean, I can't. I forget how it is. Well, but. and then yeah, and then, and then the, trial, the trial, which I'm not familiar with at all. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. I, I don't know if that was included. Because the writer was feeling particularly clever. <laughs> I gotta write the story. What's on my bookshelf here? Or, <laughs> or if he was trying to work a little bit absurdist, you right. know, if the story itself was absurdist and so surreal, surreal. Yeah. So referring back to Kafka and uh, okay, maybe, um, yeah. Because I, it, I mean, I like you know, it's very Doctor Who to have the historical figure be the companion. So I mean, I like that. Mm. But it was still because I mean not this. I mean I guess I'm complaining when I say this, but I don't mean to because it's such a mystery. You don't really get to spend time with him because you're like, is it him? Is it not him? Is he real? Is he not real? What's real? What's not real? Some people could see him and some people yeah. couldn't, but yeah. you don't find that out until later on. Yeah. And then I was also trying to figure out who everyone was supposed to be because I was oh, like, yeah. okay, the dog Scooby Doo, and then the guy's Poirot. I don't know who the other people are supposed to be. Yeah, so. I don't know. If there's supposed to be anyone at all, but anyway, but I did like the Melody Malone connection. You don't, they don't pull that one out very often. No, I, and I agree. I I liked that too. So yeah, yeah. yeah so it was, it was tough to keep track because you know, then the answer is like, oh, it's all just a TARDIS psychedelic mind, and I'm like, oh, okay, so it doesn't really matter who. Like the mystery doesn't matter. I mean, that's basically the, in- right. the answer, yes. right? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Well, that was a waste of time. I guess. Yeah, and uh, honestly, with these. Um, audiobooks i tend to sort of have to let them wash over me mm-hmm. if i get too caught up in what i don't understand or what i'm not picturing well it's just gonna get muddled for me because it's like the two ladies or the, you know, the couple yeah, got, got away off together it's like oh they're free i'm like well that's nice but i'm like wait i know this was real why does it matter i don't uh, because they were real to themselves and yeah. so that made them <laughs> real yeah it gets a little again yeah it gets a little kafka-esque um, yeah, to me that I don't know that lost me a little. I mean, I don't know. Maybe my artsy fartiness has a limit, but I'm like, 
yes, well, it's real, and characters can be real too. I'm like, no, they're not though. That's, I mean, I get it, like from a writing standpoint, but that they're, I mean, I, it seems like, but they have belief in that. No, no, they're, they're not. Real. Then, then, so then we cross <laughs> into Peter Pan, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're trying to do, but too much, too much. Yeah, it was uh, a lot, but uh, I enjoyed that one. And then we get the Doctor. Yes. The definite optical, you might say. Yeah, um, and a little bit of Dickens. Yeah. So, what do you think of having Tom Baker is the Doctor? Yeah, and again, it started off confusing because he's like, "Of course, I know who you are, River Song, and we've spent all this time together." And remember that time with Unit, and mm. and she doesn't remember any of it. And I'm like, "Well, that's not at all canon. Stop that." And, <laughs> Um, but they explained it. It was a clever way to give them that connection mm-hmm. without mucking about with the timeline. And I do appreciate, without meaning to, that they are about probably where we are in our watch. Because you got to hear that apparently Harry Sullivan has a thing for River, I guess, or something. There was some sort of alcohol <laughs> something, yeah. I think she may have hit him or something. I don't know. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, and this Harry Sullivan would totally have a thing for a River Song, but not be able to form coherent sentences. And would probably her. say something misogynist. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you're one tough bird there. You know, yeah, so. yeah. Because um, I think the 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 challenge, not in a bad way, because it's River Song, so it's going to be about River Song. You know, that's what um, she signed up for. Um, but you have the Doctor, so he's going to have to have kind of a prominent role. And so they do split the characters, and so give them kind of their own stories. In typical yeah. Doctor Who yeah. style. That's that's not a complaint, but it, it was interesting. I don't know. What did you, you think of um, how they handled the Doctor? You know, you've only gotten one full series with him. I mean, you've seen a little bit, but what did you think of how that he was handled and... You know, I, I heard you scoff during the extras when they're like, oh, he sounds just like he did. And you're like, ha, which I translated as like, no, he's old. Yeah, and he sounds <laughs> old. And that was okay. And so, and particularly, I guess, because Tom Baker is so ubiquitous, mm-hmm. um, hearing him, I'm picturing old Tom Baker. Right. And so that was a little strange uh, if that's not what they were going for. But it didn't, it didn't, I didn't find it jarring Mm. until I thought too hard about it. And then I was like, well, he's not the doctor. He's an old guy. He's that caretaker at the museum. (laughs) Um, But I did picture him as, as old doctor. Um, (laughs) And, but like I say, I didn't find it jarring at all. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, you know, because you have to think about the well, I think about the writing. You have to sort of capture that character, and you know, well, you can do whatever you want, of course, if you're the writer. But you, know, you don't want to be too cartoon. It's kind of like Star Trek, the, you know, of course, the original series. You don't want to do a cartoon interpretation. You know, if you know it, you know how to write it. But you don't want to do like that's ah, cartoony. Let's you know have Kirk make out and you know McCoy yell at Spock or, you know I mean that's there but that's not what it is and so how are you going to write the fourth Doctor but I thought they did very well he mm. the sort of you know um, pretend to be foolish I, I, he never really had his serious moment because you know he always pretends to be foolish but of course he, he knows what he's doing um, but that's you know whatever I thought it was very well you know connecting to with um, forget the the woman's name that he connects with and who's memorized all the codes who kind of oh, right, becomes yeah. his mini companion if you will yeah um but yeah, and it was a little timey-wimey, but that was fine, I suppose. Yep. Um, and this is sort of the ending, of course, with the Discordia and trying to make it a love story. Uh, 
which which was fine. I'm trying to remember. You know, it, the the river narration kind of reminds me of the you know her first appearance in the library because she kind of does the narration for mm. the, for the two parter there. Um, so it kind of brings to mind that. Um, but I don't know. What did you think of how we uh, got rid of the Discordia? That worked for me completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish that some of that world had been built more so mm-hmm. throughout. Like the Emperor. Yeah, because, I mean, because as I was thinking throughout the story, or at least the second half, that, you know, this guy's obviously a conqueror. You know, he's Caesar, he's whatever, Alexander, you know, whatever. He's conquered the universe and now he feels bad about it you know i'm like okay well you know now he's going to destroy his whole entire civilization i'm like okay must have been a change of thought there but uh, yeah there's that and there's no mention of him like it feels mostly throughout this particularly in the second episode that it's just the one discordia who has an army yeah and he's the one destroying everybody um there's no mention of an emperor. There's no mention that everybody in Discordia does this. There's no mention that this Discordia guy, who is a relatively new Discordia guy anyway, mm-hmm. is now all of a sudden in charge and able to destroy all these planets. And how does that work out? And now the emperor is here and there's a picture. And oh, and so it makes it hard to feel those stakes. When there's so little payoff. And the beginning, which I didn't understand, but then you're not supposed to, and then you find out at the end what it is. But what threw me off about the beginning of this episode, where it's, where you find out ultimately that it's the Emperor and his consort. Um, it's not that I'm the fan, but it just because it's in my mind. It just seemed very Star Wars-y that it's Darth Vader and Leia at the beginning of episode four or the first Star Wars movie, depending on how you call it. Um, you know, where he blows up Alderaan with the uh, Death Star. I just like, that's exactly, I don't know if they meant to, like, that's just all I pictured. I'm like, you know, there goes your planet. You know, that's basically what happens in this one. Um, and so I was thrown off. I'm like, why are we doing Star Wars? Um, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, it worked for me, ultimately. Again, if I start poking at things... Uh, and what would you think... But if I just let it wash over me... One thing I thought was interesting, I mean, in that creating this love story, they create three of them, which is purposeful, of course. But, you know, I think it's nice to do in one episode where you have to create, you know, you want to do a love story. I mean, it's more than that, but that's the setup. But you have, not that you know at the time, you have the Emperor and his consort, one. Then you have the Doctor and River, two. And then you have the general, creepy general in River, three. And oh, so right, you kind of yeah. create this sort of, you know, parallels. That's the right, right word. Um, but anyway, of, of the different ways of looking at it. Um, I thought it, the, <laughs> what did you think of sort of the the Discordia general in River? I, I thought it was very interesting. I, and I don't know if there's any commentary happening or just, I mean, I, I you know. Maybe it well, needs to be ulti- said. Ultimately, the general is Malik, right? No, he's. I, if I remember correctly, it's a little fuzzy. Malik is the main bad guy of this whole box set, and then he gets like blown up. I think. Remember when the head? Oh, with the head. And then the general comes in and doesn't save him, and like I'll, I'll take charge now because you're stupid. 
Um, and then this, the general takes over as the All new right. baddie. Okay. Yeah. See, that's silly. I, I think that I would have appreciated it more if it were Malik mm-hmm. because he'd been out on a date with River Song, and yeah. so there at least would have been something that paid off. Yeah, this, this sort of the because you really I don't know. First, just comes across as your sort of standard villainy, creepy guy. Which whatever, I'll go with it. You know, the sort of like. No, you will come to my kingdom below and be my queen. You know, standard. It's, it's standard. And she's like, I'm not eating that pomegranate. <laughs> Screw you. Um, but then it's like revealed that they, all the Discordia have to take non-Discordia as their consorts and Gene Pool and blah, blah. And then I guess she's turned him on by being so hard to get. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, I mean, it's not supposed to be good. So you know, it's it's it's. Per- but I, the whole like saying out loud, like what we all know, but maybe it needs to be said out loud. Of like, that's not how someone like you know, you get someone to like you. She's like, yes, none of that's going to make me like you. That yeah. you have power, I d- and I destroyed this planet for you. No, nope. she's like, what do you what do you expect to happen? Because nothing's happening right now, and it's not ever going to happen. And you can't force feelings. And I'm like, who are you? is this? Is there an audience that we need to be reaching out? I mean, evidently there is based on things that happen in the world. But yeah. I don't know if there's. I did appreciate the fact that. For the Emperor to go back and get his consort, so for the Emperor to have his happy ending, River and the Fourth Doctor have to lose theirs. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is weird. Well, it's different. I'll use that different word. Um, Because, more or less, uh, classic Doctors tend to be very asexual. And so, I've not, I mean, we've only seen the one series, but you know, we've, we've, I've seen enough that I'm pretty sure I've never seen the fourth Doctor be romantic. Um, you know, maybe we'll find it and we'll stumble upon something. So that was different, um, which I know Tom Baker and the extras was talking about that. Well, maybe we can we can explore this more because I mean, I'm sure as an actor, you'd like to play romance every now and then. Um, but I don't know, it depends how much you like you like that character or what you think that character is. But, so it's unusual, I think, to, to have romance from a classic doctor, you know. Um, but we get that here. But again, one of the things that, and, you know, we <coughs> talked about this when we were talking to Char and mm-hmm. um, the 10th Doctor. I still see it as romance with a capital R mm-hmm. rather than romance with a little r. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't feel... Like they were making out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, oh, I'm going to miss you. Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. It was, you know, we've had all these adventures. It just feels grand. Yeah, it's such great memories. Yeah. 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 Capital R romance. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it doesn't, I don't see it. I mean, even the flirtation is almost stylized. Yeah, and I, I think that the premise of this whole thing was that, oh, you know, we're going to get Tom Baker and um, Alex. Uh, yeah, Alex. That's all you need to know. I don't know. It's not coming to me. King- Kingston. Kingston together. And sparks will fly because they're both crazy people. And I was like, I don't know if it really happened. I mean, I get that. Th- I would have thought that, too. And I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just like, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I, I get that. You know, they're both sort of troublemakers. Uh, I mean, I don't know how Alex is in real life, but the the character of River and the character of Tom Baker slash the Doctor. You know, you think ah oh, trouble there, and I was like, yeah, it's regular. You know, 
I mean, I, we you know we, we tried it. We all thought it was going to be something crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. 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 Yeah. But they were also stuck in the confines of their yeah. story. Yeah. Um, which didn't help. You know, it sounded like they've had some great adventures. <laughs> I'd like to hear about those. <laughs> also, I think we should get River Song and the Eleventh Doctor together because let's be honest, those were both some crazy kids. <laughs> All right. Well, any what were your final thoughts? Ah, final thoughts about the series four of the Diary of River Song? Yes, I love Alex Kingston. Mm-hmm. I think she's great. She has a gorgeous voice. Mm-hmm. I could listen to her for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I mostly enjoyed it. I, I, I almost feel like they could go episodic. Honestly, they don't need to have a whole. Because I feel like, you know, uh, the Discord kind of got too much after a while. In other words, like, as in, like, they're so, which I guess is the point. But they're so powerful. I'm like, I don't even know how you defeat them, you know. You've made it too powerful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I just a smaller day in the life, that would be fine for me. Well, and it was also. Like, what does River do when she's not with the Doctor? And it could, it didn't have to be, like, in places it felt a little tenuous. Uh-huh. Like the whodunit. Right. The whodunit would have been a great standalone Same. episode mm-hmm. of, you know, I've Good gone tr- into <laughs> gone into my own mind for this specific reason. and But as part of this, it just didn't, it wasn't as great as I think it could have been. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, with that, let's go into the TARDIS library. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. And now we're going to talk about the performance or production of Antigone put on at the National Theatre in 2012. Mm-hmm. And uh, among others, it starred Christopher Eccleston, the Ninth Doctor, in the role of Creon, um, or... Creon, I suppose. Um, Jodie Whittaker, the 13th Doctor, as the titular character. And then another Doctor Who connection. Yes. As a member of the chorus, it was... Alfred Enoch. Yeah, so uh, sort of a... Well, I don't know. This, this is, you know, you're going to be your 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 thing to talk about here. So I'll, <laughs> I'll set the, the table here for those um, familiar or not familiar with Antigone, the Greek tragedy. Um, but the director um, of this production sort of set it in a modern contemporary setting. Um, the the chorus was sort of a they were sort of in an underground bunker, um, I guess, following a war, and so the chorus was sort of the the underlings of Creon there, you know. At, the staff, of, if you will, of this general, leader, whatever. And so that was sort of an interesting way, I thought, to use the chorus. Because it all seems like... Because I, I mean, I've seen... We we went to... I've, I'm sure you've been to many, Jessica. But I've only been to one production, the one we went to when it, we went to Fable. Um, so I, that was sort of a classical, if you will, uh, production of Antigone. Um, so the chorus, I always think of as the chorus. But this... Had I not known, just seems like they just have a bunch of characters that say lines. Yeah. So yeah. I, I thought it was very well done. I suppose I don't know if how your strong feelings about yeah. maintaining a chorus chorus. Uh, no, not not <laughs> not in any sort of real. Everybody has to speak um, together, kind of thing. And I'm actually utilizing the uh, technique of chorus in a show I'm directing at the minute. Um, when I did Antigone. Because the idea of Antigone is um, societal rules versus... Um, legal. Legal rules, yeah. 
yeah, military versus society and those sorts of things. I'm reading a, a, a legal jurisprudential nerd book, so you could say positivist. Oh, dang. Legal positivism. Po- positivism. I'm not saying that word right. Positivism. Versus, versus natural law. So natural law being wherever you think things come from, you know, God or from nature, that there's natural law. Uh, or, you know, society's laws. Right. So yes. Uh, yes. Um, and so my chorus, and part of that was because of who auditioned. I had a bunch of young kids or young people audition. And so I cast them as school kids. Mm-hmm. I cast the chorus as school kids. And they were all in school uniforms. And at the start of it, we're very much, you know, all put together and the ties done up and everything. And as the story progresses, the chorus becomes more and more disillusioned with Creon's rule, the rule of law. And so the ties get undone and the shirts come untucked. and So you can watch that breakdown throughout the chorus. Um which I thought was genius, frankly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah. The third of the Theban plays, um, my personal favorite. Yeah. So, all right. So there's Oedipus Rex, uh-huh. of, um, and then there's the second. What was the second Oedipus one? Oedipus at Colonus. Okay. Yeah. Is that where we get to see the brothers fighting? No, no. Okay. You never get to see oh. that. This is Greek. Okay. Darling, this is Greek. You never see deaths Fighting. on stage. Oh, because okay. well, I just figured, the you know, whatever the prequel to Antigone was, I just assumed it was the action, but it's just sort of, we're going to tell you what happened. It's, yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> and again, I, d- I showed it. Um, I had a scrim, and so I had the fight between the brothers um, behind the scrim at the beginning, and then I had Antigone and Haman's death also behind the scram so that they could see it mm-hmm. um but yeah um yeah what's well, the second one i don't ever hear anything about no nobody ever does it <laughs> okay it's basically oedipus alone on a mountain okay kind of stuff yeah it's just it's not you get oedipus you get antigone you don't often get the middle one well what'd you think of this production and the two performances in particular yes i don't know I, and don't get me wrong british theater is one of my favorite things ever but because British theater is sometimes more stylized than American theater, um, thinking about things like um, uh, the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night, right. you know, where there's the devising and the moving around and everything's just slightly more stylized. Okay. It doesn't... Versus a static stage. Well, no. Versus... A realism kind of. I feel like. Oh, because in, in American productions, because we ch- bigger is better. We want to show everything. We want to have everything. Versus British, you're supposed to imagine. Yes, yeah. and and it, again, that's one of my favorite things about mm-hmm. British theater. But I think that sometimes it's easy to get as performers caught up in that. And lose some of the realism mm-hmm. and the emotion on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my issue. I didn't feel like actors were pushed hard enough. Okay. Uh, what did you think of Chris in his Creon role? Yeah, I think Chris Eccleston 
in a lot of ways. How working class did he make this general? A, a little bit. <laughs> but here's the thing about Creon mm-hmm. is that Creon is the... He is in a little bit work. He is a little... You, God, I don't want to interrupt you. Because he's, he's not supposed to be royalish, royalish, right? Well, because Creon wasn't supposed to be king. Right. Um, you know, Oedipus was king, and then it was going to go to one of the sons. Mm-hmm. And because everything went all tits up, <laughs> now Creon's king. So uh, More man of the people-ish. Yes. And I think that, so I think that it was a role that fits Eccleston very well because of that. And you can sort of feel it. And I think that's part of Creon's tight grip on the law is because he doesn't necessarily feel like he's the rightful person for the job, you yeah, know. Yeah, I feel sorry for him in a way. Oh, absolutely. Actually, in a lot of ways, because, I mean, he gives this big speech, more or less, at the beginning, where it's like, you know, I'm going to be a king of the people. You know, I'm with you. I'm, But, uh, you know, but I'm also no special interest, right? You know, we're all we're all in this together. When we I, all have the same rules. Yeah, when Everybody I say something, I'm going to do it. There's not going to be any favoritism. You know, you've got to follow the law. i got to follow the law. And that's basically three-fourths of the play. Everyone's like, yeah, that's awesome. And then it's like, uh, suddenly his family get involved about who gets to bury who. And then he's like, no, no, I'm sticking with what I said. Because, you know, everyone's the same. And then like three-fourths of the way, the chorus representing, you know, everyone is like, nah, you should make an exception. And he's like, but, okay, really? I mean, like, it just seems very anti-people. Uh, well, of, of course, that's, that's not, uh, uh, first of all, it's not quite that sort of abrupt change. Uh-huh. But it, it never, the chorus isn't saying make an exception because she's your niece. They're saying make an exception because you can understand perspective Mm -hmm. of both sides and you know really we're going to execute a young girl that's not okay i just feel like they turn really hard on him like they do they do he's like i mean he's even i don't know how the characters whether they're or whether they're all supposed to be in the chorus but like he has an advisor Mm. he's like that's what i should do right or that's what i'm gonna do and they're like yeah great idea boss yes man and then like three fourths away why'd you do that boss that was i'm like well you could use well, and I think it's also a, 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 um, a treatise or whatever mm-hmm. on it's really easy to make laws when you're not thinking about individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the three strikes and you're out drug laws mm-hmm. that we had in the Californian 80s mm-hmm. and 90s mm-hmm. and, and those sorts of things. Um, that sounds fantastic. Yes, war on drugs. Let's be tough on that. Realistically, though, Mm -hmm. you got a guy who got caught with a joint and is now doing 20 years in prison, you know, and so that whole, uh, yes, tough on crime, Creon, yes, tough on crime. But then when you start to see the real effects of it and the real circumstances of real people, Mm. it's not that Antigone was... A traitor. Mm-hmm. It's not even that she sh- supported the traitors, mm-hmm. but she loved her brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so it's the difference between this is black and this is white. And actually, there's some nuance that we did not consider and maybe we should have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I mean, well, you know, what little I know and what, what I saw that Chris did well, you know, obviously it's a tragedy and mm-hmm. I'm sure he likes that. Um, yeah, and Antigone's a little bit like Julius Caesar, 
uh, you know, Julius Caesar, the Shakespeare play, <laughs> is not about Julius Caesar at all. Right. And Antigone, well, of course, I've, is about... I've never seen Julius Caesar, darling. That's an inside joke <laughs> that we are not going to talk about here. Um, of course, Antigone is very much about Antigone, but she's not... The yeah. person who is she gives about three good up. speeches, and that's about all you see. Well, she's yeah. just not the one that gets caught up on her own hubris kind mm-hmm. of thing, like Oedipus does. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Creon who, who ultimately is felled by his staunch adherence. Adherence, yeah, and brought to task by exactly the same person Oedipus was by uh, Tiresias. The blind, oh, the blind okay. prophet, mm-hmm. who may be a man, may be a woman. Who knows? Tiresias apparently can... Uh, Two can, spirits, huh? Yep, can mm-hmm. go back and forth, yeah. And, and so, how did you think Jody fared in her brief appearance? Yeah, not brief. Antigone's a <laughs> main character. Well, you just said. <laughs> She's just not yeah, the yeah, one yeah. that falls. Um... Yes, again, I wanted to see, because Antigone has just, the tragedy in Antigone's life is ridiculous. Mm. And so I want to see that. And I'm not sure I did quite as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I assume another attraction, for, not to get into his head, but that's what we do now in our house, uh, to get into Eccleston's head, you have obviously <laughs> Jody, another northerner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is sort of... I mean, there's other actors, and I'm not remembering all their accents off the top of my head, but so you sort of have a Greek tragedy done in the northern style. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. and But I, again... I, I, introducing those voices. I as, love this show, mm-hmm. and I think it is universal. It's, it's very, Well, I was going to say it's very Shakespearean. You'd say Shakespeare just stole from them. Um, oh, yeah. But, I mean, it just that's what it strikes me, because you sort of have, which, I'm again, the Greeks created it, so let's just say it's very Greekian. Um, but that, well, let's go with Grecian <laughs> instead of Greekian. It's not a vase. Sure. <laughs> or a vase. Um, or an urn. What is wrong with you? I don't they really earned it. But anyway. Um, but having the sort of the, the, the tragedy, but then have sort of the comic character, which mm-hmm. obviously Shakespeare would always steal. Um, the guard character, mm-hmm. who gives just sort of his rambly guard comic monologue. Um, and you sort of go back and forth from there. But yeah, you have this tragic romance. You have lots of killing yourselves, you know. Mm. One, two, three, right? Yeah. Antigone, the son, whose Hang name I can't in. remember, and then the wife. Yeah. Creon's wife, Queen. I'm sure she has a name. Yeah. <coughs> My Creon was amazing. Mm-hmm. Better than Krista. He was just very good. Okay. Because, again, he had that grief at the mm-hmm. end of this just loss. Mm-hmm. He just did a he he turned in a fantastic performance. Wait, does he, he kill himself at the end? No. Who kills him? Or he just he lives in He lives. He, he just wander in the What happens to us? <laughs> now you're thinking of Oedipus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's just covered in blood and like, ah, well, that didn't work out. Yeah. Curtain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Who's in charge of Thebes now is yeah. Meanie, I assume. <laughs> uh, which is great. Um, or Alfred Enoch. Possibly. So, yeah, and of course we get Alfred Enoch, of course, um, William Hartnell. No. No. <laughs> no, I'm blanking on his William Russell. Yes. William Russell's son of first Doctor Companionhood fame. Um, so, and of course, Albert has his own career, not to 
define him by his parentage. He's had his own acting career, so. Yeah. Absolutely, and seems to be doing quite well with it. So, yeah, right? yeah. So cheers, cheers, yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed that. It's available to watch on the National Theater at, at home. I believe it's still available to watch. Yeah, watch all of them. Yeah. Watch all of them. Frankenstein was amazing. Yeah, they still, they still have Angels in America, or both parts, that we wanted mm-hmm. to watch, and um, I think they had Medea on there, if I'm not yep. mistaken. I think so, too. Had a bunch of stuff. That's another one I'd like to... Yeah to play with so well until next time continue enjoying the doctor's many adventures throughout time Time and and space. space this is bbc television